Welcome to the podcast of Seven Rivers Presbyterian Church in Lakanto, Florida. Our passion is to be a church that enjoys God, experiences His grace, and reflects His love to our community and beyond. To join our local body in financial support of this ministry, visit our website at sevenrivers.org. Open your Bibles to Genesis 48, if you have your Bible with you. We're looking at the last three chapters of Genesis. Three chapters. Should be, a sermon should be under about two hours, and um, we'll get to eating. <laughs> Just kidding. It's been quite a ride through Genesis, right? Um, you know, the creation of the world, of humanity, the fall uh, our rebellion against God. If anyone thinks that Christianity or the Bible is full of a bunch of heroes and good people, then you haven't been listening. <laughs> you haven't read Genesis, right? It's, it's more about a great God in the business of saving um, a rebellious people. So Abraham, God saves Abraham, brings him to himself. He has Isaac. Isaac has Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. And one of his 12 sons, Joseph, becomes the most second most powerful person in all of Egypt. And, um, and then um, he brings his family to Egypt. And Jacob here is about to die. It's all about to close. And he, he wants to bless his children. So we pick up there. Uh, if you want to stand, I'm going to start in Genesis 48. Verse 1, I'm going to read all three chapters. No, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to read some selected verses. Starting in verse uh, 1 of 48. After this, Joseph was told, Behold, your father is ill. So he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, and was told to Jacob, Your son Joseph has come to you. Then Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you. I will make you a company of peoples and will give you this land to your offspring for you an everlasting possession. And now your two sons, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine, as Reuben and Simeon are mine. So Joseph brings his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, for Jacob to, to bless them. Continuing in verse 12. Then Joseph removed them from his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in, in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. And in them let my name be carried on in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac. Let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. When Joseph saw that his fathers laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And he took his father's, right, his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head, head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not this way, father. 
since this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. Nevertheless, the younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you Israel shall pronounce blessings, saying, God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. And then um, all of chapter 49 is basically all of the 12 sons come to Jacob to be blessed. All 12 sons to be blessed. And summarizing that in verse 28 of chapter 49, he says this. All these are the 12 tribes of Israel. This is what their father said to them as he blessed them. Blessing each with the blessing that is suitable to them. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, there's not a doubt that each one of us here is in desperate need, more than we know, to receive the blessing that only you can give us. So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you as you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to us that we may receive your blessing with great power in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So there, there's a lot of blessing going on in these chapters. Lots of blessing. There's a book, there's a book written by Gary Smalley and, um, and John Trent some years ago called The Blessing. In it, he tells two stories of two different people who came to him for counseling. One of them was named Brian. And Brian's father was a career Marine. That's what he lived for. His only dream for his father, Brian, was that he be also a Marine, that he would be proud of him. So he raised him as a child with strict discipline, very seldomly showing him ever love and tenderness. Well, Brian... I grew up and graduated high school, and he went right into the Marine Corps, of course, which pleased his father and gave him his approval. Well, soon after that, for behavior problems, he was dishonorably discharged, and that's when his father cut off his relationship with him. He wanted nothing else to do with him. One day, Brian got a call from his mother uh, that his father was, had slipped into a coma and was going to die, had had a heart attack. So Brian rushed there to his father's side, and as he's dying, he tells a story of leaning over his father's body, saying, Dad, please, please wake up. Please just tell me that you love me. And his father passed away. Another story he tells is about Nancy. Nancy grew up in a wealthy uh, home where her mother dressed her up in really nice clothes and took her to really nice parties as a child. And as she grew up, though, Nancy grew out of her petite form into a bigger bone body with more outdoor interests. And uh, her mother's relationship with her began to change at that point. Um, she would subtly tell her that she was awkward and clumsy, that she would recognize how clothes wouldn't fit her but would fit her younger petite sister. She even invi stopped inviting her to parties and actually said to her, you wouldn't want to go and be embarrassed in front of your other friends the way you look, do you? And this led to lifelong feelings of inferiority and a lifelong struggle with her weight. 
See, both Brian and Nancy lived their lives, the rest of their lives, in search of the blessing from their parents that they never received. Both were longing to hear from someone significant, apart from their career or their weight or anything about them, say to them, I love you, I delight in you, just as you are. Jacob showed up in Genesis 15 chapters ago, and much of his whole life was lived searching for this blessing. He came out of the womb, grabbing at his, at his brother's heel, trying to be first in the family. He later tried to steal it from his brother. He tried to deceive his father into getting this blessing. He later even wrestled with God, saying, I will not let you go until you give me this blessing. Jacob, like Brian and Nancy, had a deep longing in him to simply hear from someone significant say, I love you and I delight in you just as you are. And the Bible makes clear that this is not just Jacob and Brian and Nancy's story. This is our story as well. Every one of us here is in deep search for this blessing. It's the longing of every human heart. To hear someone significant that we admire speak these words into our soul. You are loved. You are delighted in just as you are. Here in this passage, Jacob seems to have finally received this blessing and he's ready to impart it to his children. And so we're going to look at from this, what is this blessing? And how do we get it? And what's the result of it? of having this blessing. So let's look first at what is this blessing. You know, one reason it's, it's um, kind of more difficult for us in this passage to relate with this kind of blessing is because we don't, we don't do this anymore. We use this word blessing pretty differently, right? I mean, we uh, will say things like, have a blessed day. It's like, have a good day. Or, um, you know, we think of it as a feeling. You know, like, how are you doing? I'm feeling pretty blessed, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, those of us from the South know the famous term, you know, bless, bless your heart. Just bless your little heart, um, which um, Wikipedia gives this semantic range of meaning uh, from sincere felt compassion all the way to, it says, uh, a precursor for an insult in order to lessen its severity. <laughs> I thought pretty accurate. <laughs> it says you got to listen to the tone. That's the key. This blessing here in Genesis at that time is very different. Joseph brings his sons to his father who's about to die and Jacob puts his, his, uh, his hands on them. And then in verse 15 and 20, when it says he blesses them, it's like this powerful transferring of the faithfulness and promises and love of God that he had received into their lives. Let God also fulfill this promise in you. He's saying, in the same way God has loved me and promised, made promise to me, may it be so in you. And after he blesses jo Jacob's, Joseph's sons, he brings all of his sons, all 12 of them in chapter 49, to bless them as well. And this blessing is not a nice feeling. It's, it's, it's not wishful thinking. It is a powerful speaking into their lives in a way that shapes their future. It's like, it's like having a sailboat and someone coming and turning the rudder in a certain direction, and then sending a gust of wind, a powerful gust of wind that sends them towards their future. 
Now, although we don't formally give these blessings like this anymore, it doesn't mean that we don't all inwardly crave this type of blessing from someone significant. Adam Jones uh, recently told me um, about a parenting conference he's doing uh, here in a couple months, and he's reading, rereading a book by Dan Allender. And Dan Allender says, the whole book is about how, he says, every child grows up asking two main questions in life. He says, actually, all their, all their desires can be summed up in these two questions, and how they, uh, much of their life will be shaped by how these two questions are answered. The first question he says every child is asking deep inside is this. Do you really delight in me? Do you really delight in me? The second question is, I'm not going to tell you actually. It's not relevant to the sermon and it will be a tangent. So I'm sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> I know that's terrible. I got groans last night. Um, but the first one, how significant is that? How true is it? Every child is asking, do you delight in me? Just like in the stories of Brian and Nancy, all of us, can't you relate or grow up wondering, do you really delight in me? Apart from how I look, apart from how smart I am, how successful I am, how good I am, how I perform, apart from all that, do you really delight in me? That's the deep um, desire in our soul to be blessed by someone else by saying to us, I love you and delight in you just as you are. And this, this is really humbling um, if you are a parent because um, even though we don't formally and, and, you know, intentionally bless our children sometimes like that, you know, in the same way here, we're always informally and unintentionally blessing our children by the 99% of our un, unpremeditated actions in any given day. We're communicating something to them. I met with a group, uh, meet with a group, uh, discipleship group every uh, Thursday morning, and we were looking at uh, this curriculum that was about self-image this last Thursday, and it brought up something about this. It said this, it said, like it or not, those who mean the most to you will most significantly shape your assessment of your own worth. A bad self-image often comes from an improper assessment of your worth that's communicated to you by those that are most important to you. It's a shaping of your life, depending on how your parents gave you the blessing. I have a good friend who has a position, pretty high position of authority, and, um, and, and he was telling me one time uh, how he struggles really to speak up with really conviction. He feels, like, he feels like I just can't find my voice. And he told me, he said, the reason why I think this is is because when I was growing up, my, um, my father uh, would always work on cars and my brother and I would always help him. And uh, my older brother though, he always got to be the one that actually worked on the cars. And I always had to stand by the side of the car and just kind of hand them tools. And I always longed for my father to invite me into working on the car. And then he said, I feel like this is why I lack confidence, even in his late 40s. So let me speak to us as parents for a minute. And that's whether you still have children at home or your parents are, or your children are grown and out of the home. Um, 
Our children are still asking this children, do you really love and delight in me just as I am? And you are answering this question for them, whether verbally or non-verbally, or you have. And to the extent your message has been or is, I will delight in you and love you if you perform or you're smart enough or pretty enough. It's to the extent that your children and our children will go out into the world searching for the blessing from anyone or anything else in life. The blessing is powerful. It shapes who we are and it influences our future and sets a direction for our life. And I'm a parent. And this is really hard stuff, right? You know, it's hard enough to like find socks on a school day that match, Uh, much less to have the energy to like, you know, bless our children all the time. It's not easy. Um, But even there's a, there's a, there's a more deeper reason that it's difficult for, for us parents to do this. And it's because that it's in us. um, um, If we haven't experienced, to the extent that we haven't experienced the blessing, to the extent that we aren't able to give it to them, will actually try to find that blessing through and in them. Um, It's one reason that Nancy's mother from the story put so much pressure on Nancy, right? She was still looking for the blessing. Please be pretty and make me look good in front of my friends. And the story goes on to share how Nancy did that the same way she confessed with with her two daughters. And I don't know about you, but I can relate. I find it so easy to subtly put pressure on my children to perform. And couldn't it be because at those times I'm not experiencing and living in hope of, um, you know, this, this blessing that I already have. I, I, I have um, several children in the family that are really good at soccer, right? And so I get this principle. I think about it sometimes and um, even though we love soccer and they're pretty, they're pretty good at soccer, I tell them sometimes before a game or at night, I say, listen, I want you to know that regardless of how you play, uh, whether you score goals or not, I'm really proud of you. Uh, I'll still love and delight in you just as much. So I really believe that's true. <laughs> and then last weekend we had, a, we had a soccer tournament. And I found myself... Um, on the sidelines yelling at my five-year-old to get his rear moving. <laughs> I was that guy. Um, and, you know, uh, you know uh, he, he gets, he, you know, assuming that his, his, his uh, lack of movement, his laziness, I'm, I'm yeah, come on, you know, he gets done with the game and I'm trying to hide my disappointment. I'm like, buddy, were you just tired or what? You know, what's going on? And he just kind of had a head down. No, daddy, I, don't, I wasn't tired. And I'm like, okay, all right, it's okay. Well, okay. <sighs> you know, <laughs> make me look good. Um, well, he gets in the car later and he, um, he just kind of randomly says, he says, Daddy, do you know why I wasn't running so much? I said, no, buddy, why? He said, there's some really big boys on their team. And to be honest, I was kind of scared. And I looked at him and, you know, I said, well, suck it up next time. Come on. That's ridiculous. No, I didn't say that at all. That, oh, can you imagine? Like that would have been so bad, so terrible. 
the, the thought of me doing that. Okay. No, you know, my, my heart melted. And, and to be honest, my sinful self was right before me. Like, what matters most was just before me. Um, you know, my sinful soul that really wanted more than him enjoying the game, he, I wanted him to make me look good in ways. And, um, and I wanted blessing from that, from a five-year-old soccer game, recreation time. But on top of that, oh man, how I didn't want him to think my blessing of him depended upon his performance, right? Um, I, I wanted him to feel free to be scared, to, to, even if he didn't want to play. Oh, I wanted him to deeply inside know, sincerely, I love you and I am delighted in you just as you are all the time. And this is the blessing that we all long to hear that powerfully shapes our life. So that is the blessing. Well, how do we get this blessing? How do we get this blessing? Because to be honest, all of us who've been parents, you know, well, all of our own parents, all of our parents have failed to give this blessing to us, to children in this way. It's in all of us, and it's so easy to base our love and delight on, our, on their performance of, a cho- of our children. Joseph was thinking like this when he brought his two sons to Jacob to be blessed, right? We see this in verse 13 because he comes as a proud father of these two children, Ephraim and Manasseh, and he brings them up and takes them off the knee and he puts them on his father. And then, you know, he puts his, his left hand, Jacob's left hand, um, he puts his younger son, his right hand, goes to Manasseh. Manasseh's the oldest. He's to get the primary blessing because he deserves it. And then something strange happens in verse 14. Jacob just crosses his hands. He puts his right hand on, uh, on younger Ephraim. Well, Jacob doesn't like that. And he's like, well, you know, he's kind of old. Not seeing pretty good. So he takes his arms and it's almost like an arm wrestling match. You know, to try to get his right hand. And, and, and Joseph, uh, or Jacob, he, he's like, I, I know exactly what I'm doing. This is very intentional. He says, listen. Both are going to be great, but the younger will be greater than the older. Well, why in the world does he do that? Well, it doesn't say in the text. He just does it. Um, But from the rest of the story in Genesis, we can infer why. Because this is the whole story. See, Jacob knew from Genesis 3 that because of our sin, he had learned nobody deserves the blessing. We not only lost the blessing, but we actually deserve, we, we we deserve to be cut off from all of God's blessing. And once cut off from God's blessing, that's the reason why we go about searching for anyone and everything else to give us this blessing. And we keep seeing this pattern in Genesis that's unlike anything else in all of religion. God will give his blessing to those that don't deserve it, Period. The blessing goes to those who don't, don't deserve it. So God chooses to bless quiet Isaac instead of older, skillful Ishmael. He chooses to bless younger, deceiving, sinful Jacob instead of his older brother Esau. And Jacob gives the b- blessing to younger Manasseh 
And then an even bigger shocker in verses 8 and 12 of 49, he passes the blessing to Judah instead of oldest son um, uh, Reuben or this favored son Joseph for no apparent reason. Verses, uh, chapter 49, verses 8. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. All your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. Verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. There will always be a king that comes from Judah. Nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him. Tribute meaning till the one to whom it really belongs to will come to the line of Judah. And to him shall be the obedience of all peoples. Well, good night. Judah, Judah who helped sell his brothers in, uh, or his brother Joseph into slavery. Judah who slept with his, his uh, daughter-in-law thinking she's a prostitute. Judah, yes, who didn't deserve it, would receive this blessing of God's promise being fulfilled through his family line. See, Jacob had learned how we get this blessing. God will give his blessing to those that don't deserve it by grace, by grace, God's love and delight for him and for you would come to those that don't deserve it without merit, by grace. You know, there's another story in that book, The Blessing, that really struck me. There's a secular prof- uh, university that had this Christian professor, and he taught, the speech, uh, taught a speech class. And in this speech class, he would begin the speech class um, going around the room, and he would have every student say, tell what they like or they don't like about themselves. And he did this, and all of a sudden he comes to a, um, a girl in the back of the room. And he says, what, you, what do you not like about yourself or like about yourself? And she had her head down, and her hair was drooped over her head. She didn't respond. So he walks over to her and says, dear, what, what, what do you not like about yourself or you like, like about yourself? And, and Dorothy sat up in her chair and she pulled back her hair and she reveals a large birthmark on the side of her face. She looks up and says, that, that is what I don't like about myself. The professor was moved with compassion and he pulls up a chair beside her and he gave her a hug and he gently kissed that birthmark and said, that's okay because God and I still think you're beautiful. What a powerful blessing into her life. He says that that Dorothy sat in her chair crying uncontrollably for for 20 minutes and then was able to tell as students kind of gathered around and she told them, she said, I grew up and I always longed for my mother to touch my face, but she never did. My parents would not do that. There's little doubt that all of our parents have failed in some way to perfectly pass on this blessing of being loved and delighted in completely apart from our looks or our performance to us. All of us here. And there's little doubt that we as parents have failed to pass this on to our children. And that's why there's an invitation here. There's an invitation for someone much more significant than a parent to speak into your life in a way that can reshape your story. And God wants you and I this morning to receive that powerful blessing from him. So how do we get it? 
How can we get it? See, this blessing given to Judah in chapter 49 contains a promise. It's a promise of a future king and a savior. And the answer of how God will love and delight in a sinful, undeserving people will not be through the performance, their performance, but from a person, a person of God, namely his own son. 1,800 years, Jesus pops onto the scene from the tribe of Judah, it says, and it was clear that Jesus perfectly had the pleasure of God. At his baptism, he shows up and the audible voice says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. I'm so delighted in him. I love him apart from anything else. And it's clear that Jesus' mission was to bring this blessing to everyone who didn't have it. A leper comes up to him, a leper who's not touched by anyone. He's outcast. He's, he's the epitome of someone who doesn't have blessing. And he says, can you make me clean? What he's asking is, can you give me this blessing? And what does Jesus do? He doesn't just go up and say, be clean, right? He goes up and does what? He touches him, right? Maybe on the face. And then he made him well. It was clear that Jesus would ultimately bring God's blessing by going to a cross, and what a strange thing, right? Blessing through a Roman form of execution it almost doesn't make sense, except something had to be done with all of our failures and our sin and our rebellion before God. It needed to be rightly punished. And so there, Jesus experienced the displeasure of his heavenly Father. As he hung on a cross and said, Father, God, why would you forsake me? I had your pleasure. Well, he knew the answer though, Right? Because Jesus set aside the blessing of his father so that anyone who believes in him, anyone who believes in him would forever have their sin forgiven and forever have the father's blessing upon you by grace alone. It says, Ephesians says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing that is in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, you have every spiritual blessing by God. And so let me ask you, do you ever inwardly wonder from your heavenly Father, from God, do you really delight in me? Really? Knowing that I did that, knowing that I still do this, do you really delight in me apart as, as I am if you've placed your faith in Jesus, God wants you to experience his blessing. The blessing that's more powerful than any parent that can redefine you, that can heal your wounds. A blessing that can blow a fresh wind of his Holy Spirit into you. It sets a, a new direction in your life. Because you feel deep inside of you this compassion and embrace. This touch in your face. This fatherly kiss. It's a hearing the most significant person in the universe say... I love you and I delight in you just as you are. That's how we get the blessing. Well, if you have this blessing, what should it do to us? What's the result? What is the result? The more you experience God's powerful blessing, the more you are empowered and filled up to be a blessing to others. That's the whole message of Genesis and the whole rest of the Bible. You are blessed to be a blessing. And Joseph received this blessing in verse, uh, in chapter 49. It says, by the God of your father, 
who will help you by the Almighty who will bless you with the blessings of heaven, blessings of the deep that crouches beneath, blessings of the breasts of the womb, the blessings of your father are mighty beyond, the blessings of my parents, up to the bounties of everlasting hills. Joseph knew what it's be, it is to be blessed. His cup was filled. And then Jacob, his father, dies. There's a massive funeral. And then his brothers come to him in chapter 50. Um, Adam Jones once said that funerals have a, have a tendency to bring to the surface everything that's unreconciled. And that's exactly what happened here. You can see that in chapter 50. When Joseph's brothers saw that his father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave us this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And they said, now please forgive the transgressions of your servants of the God your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came down fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear. Am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant this for good, to bring, about, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. And thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Look, um, you know, Joseph's brothers are terrified, rightfully, that he's going to get revenge on them. The father's dead. Um, uh, but let me give you two ways that we see Joseph being filled up with blessing. When you're filled with blessing, two ways that it turns as a result of having a blessing, and it, it, it does to us. Number one, the freedom of self-importance. The freedom of self-importance. Joseph was the most powerful, second most powerful person in the known world under Pharaoh. He could have done anything he wanted to do. He should have felt... I'm very important. Of course you should have done uh, better to me. And, but he, Joseph did not draw his sense of blessing from his high position. He saw himself in light of an almighty God. Am I in the place of God? And the more we experience the blessing of our heavenly father saying, I think you're great, the less we'll try to get, make ourselves look great out of our kids' successes or, or from our jobs or looks or anything else. So that's number one, just the freedom, the blessed freedom from self-importance. But number two, very significant to this passage, the freedom to forgive. Stop, and, stop for a minute and just try to imagine your siblings. Um, your siblings conspiring to not only belittle you or kick you out of the family, but to actually kill you. Can you imagine that? Um, it's unthinkable. Uh, who wouldn't be bitter or angry and struggle to forgive them, right? I mean, I, I remember one time my sister uh, wouldn't give me a remote, and I threw a chair at her. That was not recently. That was like actually a long time ago. So, um, But it's remarkable, isn't it? How I mean, Joseph, it's like all that had dissipated. He wept before his brothers that they would even think that. He didn't minimize their sin. He didn't minimize it, right? Oh, you did evil to me. He acknowledged that. It was evil. But then he entrusted the wrong to God, the God who's able to turn all wrongs into good purposes. 
And then they ask, well, just receive us as servants, right? Almost like who? The prodigal son in, in, in Luke 15 comes home, look, okay, okay, don't punish me, but just take me as a servant. But instead, Joseph, like that father, filled with the blessing of God, ran out and poured blessing to them. He spoke kindly to them and comforted them and promised to provide for them. It was a powerful scene. You know, my father um, sent me a text uh, last week. And he does this sometimes. He'll send these random quotes of someone. This one was from like some saint that said something about forgiveness and, and uh, confession, repentance, and forgiveness. And, and I, I texted him back and I said, is this something that you just heard somewhere or um, is this something that you were personally impacted by? And, and I ended up calling him back and, um, and we talked for a little while. And, and the discussion kind of led to how much easier it is to kind of just play church, play Christian, be a Christian by name, go to church, be a good person, but how it's completely different to actually humble yourself and, and say you're sorry and for someone to forgive you. That's way different. That's way more powerful. And I told him a story of someone I'm, I'm, I meet with pretty regularly that has a father that does this. His father is a very spiritual person. But he says, I have never heard my father say I'm sorry to me or my sisters or my mom. And, in, and, and about that, that time in the conversation, my dad paused. And he said, listen, um, he said with a trembling voice, he said, I want you to know that for all the ways I've hurt you and your sister and your mom and, and mom, I'm really sorry. And my dad had done some things that have been pretty hurtful. And I haven't heard him say that very often. And I tell you, it is a powerful thing for someone to say that. I asked him if I could share that story because it was powerful. <laughs> I don't think it was a coincidence with this chapter. You know, we as parents can't undo what's been said or communicated informally and unintentionally by, by our, all our unpremeditated actions, but we do have the opportunity to, before our younger children or before our older children, to powerfully bless them by simply saying, I am sorry for all that I know of and all I don't know of today to go out and choose to live a life of repentance. To comfort them and speak kindly to them, to bless them with these words, I love you, I delight in you, just as you are. One theologian said this, God bestows his blessings without discrimination by grace. The fathers of Jacob are children of God and they should manifest the family values by doing good to all, even those who deserve the opposite. You know, because this is hard stuff, right? It's really hard stuff. I had a woman last night just um, crying, saying, I, I've got two children that are so easy to delight in, and I've got one who I adopted that is, this is really hard. And she said, I'm going to go move towards that. And another one that said, I'm going to go and write letters to my children today and tell them I delight in them because I don't know that they know that. How powerful this could be. It's hard. It is hard. It's not easy. Especially to hard children or family members who have really hurt us, right? Unless we are deeply 
deeply experiencing the blessing of the God to whom knows us nothing but punishment and his anger, but instead runs towards us as, his, as a heavenly father, full of nothing but love and delight for us, just as we are. So this is the story of Genesis, and this is the story of the rest of the Bible, this God who runs to us. It began in, in a garden, it's ending in a coffin, but it's far from the end of the story. Jacob and Joseph died knowing that Egypt in this life was not their true home. They set their eyes on the home where God, that God had promised them, where all things would be made right again, all wrongs turned to right, and where they and us will be one day and see a heavenly father running towards us with his warm embrace of love and delight. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, there's no doubt in this room that there are some who need to hear this blessing because they never received it. And I just pray right now, whether for they've already done this and received your blessing or for the first time, they would just say, I want this blessing, the love that comes through the Son, Jesus Christ. And for those of us who need to communicate to this children, to our children this blessing, Lord, I pray that you would empower them to do that. Because through that, Lord, you could change our whole family stories. So the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, may it be upon us now. The blessing of our Heavenly Father that loves and delights in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Seven Rivers, please visit our website at sevenrivers.org.